Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Athletics with you every week here on the show. Joining me for the second time is, I guess, the prep writer, but now the co-host of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, Langston Newsom. How are you doing, Langston? Doing absolutely fantastic. How about yourself? Good. We're now in our new podcast studio. I hooked up everything correctly since the last time we came to you. Uh, with the con- with the Conzo Martin episode, which we did all remotely, now we're back in I guess the Tribune Printing Press building, uh, and we have a new podcast studio, wearing masks, socially distant, you know, all the all the things to do an in person podcast, and to not you know getting get you know it, it's not co- it's COVID nineteen friendly. It's doing all the right precautions. I used hand sanitizer before we came here. I'm sure Langston has too. We're taking it seriously. Everybody out there, wear a damn mask. But anyway getting on to the actual Mizzou sports of it. Uh, we have Robin Pinchton came on later in this episode. I've already recorded with her about a 25-minute segment before. You know, we recorded earlier today, got on a lot of different topics. It was fun, but kind of likes to just kind of break it down for me. Since the last time you've been on the podcast, how you been? And Mizzou athletics-wise, what's got what's got your, uh, kind of got your attention? Uh, well, personal life, uh, the Tribbies finally happened. Um, it was an online event, and I think it really turned out pretty well. Uh, it was really, really cool to see people like Bill Belichick, Michael Phelps, Misty May Trainer announce the winners of the Trivia's Awards. And I think that went over well with the members of our community and the different athletes that were celebrated in that event. And then just gearing up, um, for summer ball has officially started um, towards the end of this month. In early July, teams in Moon County should be able to travel outside of the county for competitions. Um, so everything's kind of gearing back up, and we're just kind of waiting to see what the fall is going to look like. That would be the same thing here in Tribune. For the, those of you who don't know, is the Tribune's High School Sports Award show where we give out awards. Uh, one person you kind of missed there that might be of interest to these nice people in podcast land is Patrick Mahomes. We did, did actually announce one of the awards for us. That was very nice of him. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, I just got back from a week of vacation, and it seems like I left – on I guess that would be Friday, like the 19th. And Mizzou, I think, had 10 recruits signed or committed in the class of 2020 for football when I left. They have returned, I think it's now 17. Like, when I left, it was just nuts. I mean, it just one kid after another after another. And we had talked with, you know, Eli Drinkwitz right before I left. And it was like, man, we got to get the ball rolling here. It's been like eight days or so since we had had a recruit. And then he had like, I think, six and seven days. And he added, I think, two people to the class of 2020, which was Kiki Chisholm, who I actually saw play when I lived in Texas at Angelo State. And then he added the backup kicker punter from Kentucky. I uh, don't remember his name off the top of my head. Langston's probably looking right at it with his computer. And he was so smart to look it up. And 
I did not. That is the one recruit <laughs> I do not have. Um, um, I, I can't remember his name. I, I, well, you have something looked up, so why don't you talk about what you got looked up, and I will look it up real quick because I know what I'm looking for. Well, outside of the six recruits in seven days, I mean, we also get the news that uh, Travian Ford, um, recruit out of St. Louis, weak side at rusher, is going to be enrolling early, so he'll be here in Mizzou January 2021. And also Tyler Mankin is currently at elite, at the Elite 11 competing in that event. And it's just interesting to see because obviously Mizzou fans would know the last person that we had that was in Elite 11 is Drew Locke, current quarterback mm-hmm. for the Denver Broncos. So it's been about a two to two and a half week stretch for Mizzou football with just nothing but positive news. And I think that is really interesting right after Drinkwitz basically came out and said things had kind of slowed down and immediately ramped back up this if you're a mizzou fan you would love to see that yeah the name of the punter is grant mckinnis who backed up uh sean duffy who was their uh all-american punter from australia uh but yeah that that all kind of happened over the last couple of weeks and the elite 11 an elite quarterback camp where i think they narrowed down from i think 20 quarterbacks to who are the elite 11 in each class technically and it looks like from every scout that was allowed to be there Tyler Macon from East St. Louis is pretty much right on that cusp of safe, but you know he's not guaranteed it like some of the other players are. Like the most recent class, uh, I guess a couple years ago when they had it, it was a show on NFL Network for I guess one year and then it got canceled. That was the Trevor Lawrence class where he was like, okay, this kid's clearly going to be the next big thing. So if you're somebody kind of in the high school scene, Elite Eleven is basically—I don't want to call it the Grand Old Opry, but like the Grand Old Opry celebrates and it's a selective group for people in country music that essentially is that but so yeah it's the grand old opry for high school senior quarterbacks essentially is what it is that's the group you always want to be a part of and that's you're given so much legitimacy by being a member of each class's elite 11 i think that's maybe one of the easier ways of explaining it i don't, I don't know it, it, it's a very selective class where there's not an exact science to it but usually they kind of get it right of these are the premier people every year you know it's interesting especially when it comes to college football because things like the elite 11 definitely highlights the best of the class going into the football season but you know it doesn't really define you and i'll say that there's members of the past elite 11 class that didn't pan out maybe they transferred didn't work out at their original school but just tyler Macon being there and being competitive all the reports are saying is very 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 promising yeah, for sure. And the one topic kind of getting into our interview, because I, I know people are listening to this to listen to Robin, so I don't want to go too much further without getting to that. But not only has Drinkwitz done well recruiting-wise, but it looks like Robin has, or sorry, Coach Pinchton has done very well during the last couple, really since the pandemic started of just, you know, she can't talk about any specific recruit unless they've already signed on, which she does, the ones that have signed on, like uh, Jayla Kelly, like uh, Mama Dembele and Sarah Smith were their true freshman ads for the 2020 class. She can't talk about the players that are coming in the future, but they've just added one after another after another. Maybe five or six people have committed to Mizzou since the shutdown and everything has happened. So Robin's found a way, and I didn't ask her about kind of virtual visits, and it's just it shows how, I guess, her abilities as a recruiter. I mean, she, she says during the interview her days are still long, and it looks like she's still working really hard despite kind of being hunkered down with her family right now. But I guess without further ado, here's my interview earlier today with Robin Pinchton. Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the Missouri head women's basketball coach, Robin Pinchton. How are you doing, coach? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Just got back from a little vacation, but uh, do, doing doing perfectly fine. Happy to be talking to you. Uh, I guess we'll start with just kind of give us a broad update to start. How are you doing? How's the team? How's the family? 
You know, we're we're doing we're doing well. Um, there's certainly been a lot of blessings in the midst of a lot of uncertain times, and um, it's been challenging and rewarding at the same time. I think um, just from the standpoint of, of being a mom and uh, the homeschooling has certainly uh, been a lot. And um, we've got two boys, a 14-year-old, Blake, who's pretty self-sufficient, but with our little guy, Zach, with special needs, just trying to stay on top of everything. And so I think for sure throughout this pandemic, we've um, gained a much greater appreciation. We already had a great appreciation, but a much greater appreciation for um, you know our school teachers and everything they pour into into our kiddos and so that's definitely been challenging the balance between the workload and and uh teaching and you know with kids they just think uh, you're here so why can't you go play uh but the good news is i got pe class down pretty well uh we've been pretty <laughs> active outside and um you know doing a lot of basketball and baseball and and all that fun stuff so you know we've stayed stayed really busy on one hand the days um, you know, it seems like it would go by pretty slow, but the days actually go by really fast. We've been blessed to have more family meals than we have in my probably 30 years of coaching. And so there's certainly a blessing in there as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. It, it, it just what is a basic day kind of like now for Robin Pinchton as opposed to where it was, I guess, end of February? Well, it's changed uh, greatly. So, you know, we start off with uh, swim lessons for our oldest in the morning, and uh, we jump right into homeschooling with Zach. And, and a couple hours later, he's off to swim lessons. And, and Blake's back uh, working on, you know, working out on the court, working on some basketball skills. And, you know, we still try and make sure he's reading quite a bit. And usually um, there's a few Zoom calls in there uh, for me in the morning. And then in the afternoon, uh, after lunch, it's, it's kind of a mix between um, you know trying to entertain the kids and also get some some work done some recruiting um, you know touch and base with uh, recruits and parents and coaches and alumni and and uh, just uh, a lot of different people SEC calls uh, and, and to be honest with you I probably get most of my work done after nine o'clock at night and so uh, there's definitely some late nights and long days but like I said there's been a lot of blessings in there too. I know you're not like directly involved with the volunteer workouts and how things are going because of NCAA rules, but just to have your team back together for those who could come back and to know that maybe the road to where you guys were before the shutdown, because you guys did get to finish your season uh, in uh, the name of the town. Is it Greenville, South Carolina, is where the SEC tournament is for the women? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So just to know you guys finished, to know the team's at least back together in some part right now, does that make you feel good as a coach to know that? You know, you guys had to be away from each other and in quarantine for a while, but now there's at least the in-person conver. You know, connections can continue. Well, you know, actually, we're not back uh, okay. quite yet. So, um, you know, the, and this is so fluid, but it, it's been interesting in regards to you know trying to to manage what that was going to look like for our teams. And so, um, for us right now, NCAA rules are um, that on July twentieth. Uh, we can start to have mandatory workouts. Uh, but in addition to that, SEC rules are that they've got to have two weeks uh, with our strength and conditioning coach before we can uh, have on-court activities with them. And prior to that, there's got to be a five-week quarantine once you get back on campus. 
Uh, and then on the back end of that, after the two weeks of, of workouts with our strength and conditioning coach, the, the two, first two weeks of mandatory workouts uh, are actually non-contact and you're limited to the number of players that can be in the gym. And so, you know, everyone's kind of got a different approach. We've all bounced some ideas off each other in the SEC, but I'm just a big believer in, um, you know, everyone's health has got to come first. And so, you know, we tried to get a really good pulse of where our kids were at and made sense for some of them to be back here in Columbia because maybe they didn't have um, the opportunities to, to work out and uh, the access to some gym space that they did here. Uh, but others have been at home and they're still at home um, working out with their trainers, uh, their ability to get into the high school gyms. Uh, and that looks different for every individual. Um, so we haven't mandated anything yet. Mm -hmm. um, the soonest that we'll be back together as a team uh, looks like it'll be July 22nd for us. We'll go through a five-day quarantine and then the two weeks of workouts with, with um, our strength and conditioning coach and then uh, having an opportunity to, to have some, some live uh, mandatory workouts you know, for me, the balance between it being such a long season, uh, I'm certainly super anxious to come back. Um, but I, but I do think that everyone's situation is a little bit different, and I think we've got a lot of time before the season. But honestly, the thing that I've been so encouraged by is the conversations, the Zoom calls that we've had as a team over the last months and so not only um you know have we had some individual meetings watching film talking about strengths and weaknesses uh we've had weekly uh zoom calls we're reading a book together team so it's allowed us to really dive into that and have some really good conversation and then we've also provided some optional leadership training uh zoom calls once a week for anybody that was interested in growing um you know their strengths as a leader and so i feel like uh, even though we haven't been face-to-face -face with each other, I've seen so much growth uh, individually and collectively with our team, which we're really excited about. Certainly last year was a tough year for us, and I think there was a lot of lessons, um, you know, that, that we had to learn and, and he kind of evaluate ourselves and see how we could be better moving forward. And so just a real talk that we're having on these Zoom calls, I think, has been extremely positive for our team. What book do you guys read? Chop Wood, Carry Water by Joshua Medcalf. Who decided that? <laughs> uh, actually, I did. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, we floated some some different ideas around. There's so many great books out there. Um, but one of my other assistants, maybe two of them, had read it before, too. And, and I, I've known Joshua for a while. He actually came to speak to our team a few years ago. Oh, and just felt like there were so many great nuggets in that book that not only related to athletics, um, you know, and, and being a part of a team, but just life. And so we just felt like it would be a, a great book for our, our girls to dive into. And, and we're all kind of learning and growing and sharing and, um, you know, being vulnerable and transparent. And it's been really, uh, I think, powerful, the conversations that we've had. And you said the quarantine period was five days or five weeks once the July 22nd period starts? Five days. Five, five days. days. Okay, I might have heard you yeah, but, the first time then. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, the thing that's interesting about that um, – and again, it's so it's it's uh, the repopulation phase one, phase two, phase three. I mean, it's always fluid. 
through that five-day quarantine again. And so if we would have brought him back earlier and tried to give him a little break before school started, you know, we're kind of, we're going to be taking a step back. And so we wanted to make sure that we gave him proper time to uh, be prepared to come on campus. And uh, again, knowing that it's a great event where they're at. Uh, and then once they come on campus, they'll be back straight through um, to when classes start. You know, the other challenging piece with that, too, is, you know, we get to work them out for eight hours a week, uh, but there's a lot of dead time in there during the day, right? So they're not in class right now. And so what do you do with all that? Well, I've always been a pretty big family person. And I think that family time is important. And so right now for some of our players, you know, as they talk about what their days look like, um, they have an opportunity to at home with dad and maybe or older brothers and sisters. They have a chance to help out their grandparents. Um, you know, they're just, they're having pretty productive days. And so it's, yeah, I don't know that anyone has a crystal ball. I think we've all handled it a little bit differently. Uh, but I think the health has got to come first and they've got to feel comfortable coming back. And uh, once we get back on campus, we just have to understand it's uh, full go and there's not going to be that opportunity to probably get back home again. Gotcha. And I, I, so I know the, uh, I guess it was the SEC originally allowed people back the first week of June. And, you know, I guess football's having their uh, voluntary workouts right now. And it was allowed that the, both the basketballs and football were allowed back June 8th. Ha, has there been any conversation with you to any other people at Mizzou of how that's going and just what you guys could, lessons you guys could use from that when you guys do return to campus? Well, yeah, so all those workouts are voluntary, right? And right. our team talked about the, the um, you know, pros and cons of, of what this timetable would look like for our team. And so um, different for everyone. But, yeah, I think, you know, anything that I've heard from our administration, our athletic um, training staff, yeah, they've been so thorough everything uh, that they've got in place and so I know you know again none of us have all the answers and it's a work in progress as we you know work through a pandemic but at the same time um, just the precautions that they're taking and I think the biggest challenge is to help our players understand that you know the decisions that they make uh, really are going to impact a lot of people if we get a chance to resume the sport right so we want to be willing to um, you know take extra precautions to follow uh, the guidelines that have been put in front of us and I think our administration from everything that I've seen and heard so far uh, have done a great job of, of plotting that out and, and uh, trying to keep that in for, for our teams that are back. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but I believe if I did the math right in my head, only four players from last year's active roster will be playing for you this coming, I guess, winter and fall should the season not be delayed. Is that correct? Uh, I, eight, I don't eight. know if I've looked at that number-wise, but okay. you've got returning players that were actually on the court this year? Yeah, it, it, both Haley's, yeah. Asia, and Nadia. Yes, that is hundred uh, percent correct. And if you haven't looked at it, but just what did you see from, I guess, that quartet, maybe Asia and Haley Frank specifically, that you can kind of look? Okay, we had growth at the end of the year. It seemed like Asia just was a scoring machine at the end of the year. What can you take from those days where maybe you learned a lot of those lessons where the season didn't exactly go where you wanted, to where next year and you get the three transfers uh, who sat out last year but were at practice, you can get them back as well as some freshmen as well. Yeah, so I just I think it was one of those years that um, 
it required um, maybe a little bit bigger learning curve than we anticipated and some growing pains that uh, we knew we had some talented players, but just to put all the pieces together. Um, and so it was hard, but, you know, I'm, I don't shy away from hard. And I think, um, you know, I've been a big believer that diamonds are formed in the fires. And so, like I said, I think through adversity is a lot of times how we grow. And when you look at, um, you know, when you make progress, it's not just a steady line. It's, it's um, you know, a, an incline and there's a plateau and maybe a step back before you can really excel again. And, and I think that was the situation with our team. Uh, it was a young team team and um, just from a leadership standpoint we were so used to Sophie uh, being that vocal leader for us those are shoes to fill and certainly Lauren Aldridge and Sierra Porter too but Sophie was really uh, pretty outspoken and did a phenomenal job in that area for us for four years and we had an offense that really ran through her quite a bit and so uh, like I said I think there was a you know, some growing pains that we didn't anticipate, but certainly a lot of talent. You know, Asia, I thought as the season went on, just continued to get stronger and, and better. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she had that ankle injury at the beginning of the year. And so she had to kind of get in shape as the season went. And Haley Frank's a kid that, you know, I think we can put her in a position um, to have more scoring opportunities than she did. But for those two to do what we did in the SEC as freshmen, I thought was very remarkable. Um, I don't know that we've had two freshmen be make the all freshman team and in a while and and um you know both scored double digits and so they did a lot of great things for us but i also think our returning kids um who we've got coming back and our new kids that we're adding you know we're really encouraged i think those three transfers that sat out i've talked about them a lot Shug dixon and ladasia williams and, and shannon uh, from australia those three kids are, are really high elite level kids um, that I know are just chomping at the bit, bit to get back. And then you had Micah who redshirted last year. And, and so we're really excited about our incoming kids and, and uh, the lessons that we've had to learn. Is, is there part of you that look, look back at that last season and be like, okay, maybe I would have done this differently, but maybe it might have actually been better that I, I got a little bit to learn something and we had a little bit of time post Sophie, Lauren, Sierra, and maybe even now you're looking post Hannah Schutz, Jordan Roundtree, and other people like that. That's okay. Maybe that was a good experience for some of our younger players that they learned what it's like, how bad you actually have to want it and how hard you actually have to work to get to a level where Sophie consistently was. It wasn't just handed to Sophie. She had to work for it. Do you think that lesson might actually reign true going forward for them? Well, you know, the first part of that, um, you know, as I look back, do I think there's some things that I would have done differently? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's life, right? I don't know that we ever nail it 100% of the time. And I certainly, um, you know, am, am my toughest critic and um, spent a lot of time evaluating decisions that I make and in rotation, this and that. And, and certainly, um, you know, there, there's some some things that I would, looking back, definitely do differently. Um, but again, I think that's life, and that's how we grow, and that's how we learn. It's it's okay to make mistakes, just don't make the same mistake twice, and, and that's, that's how you grow and learn. And I think for our kids to have to go through that adversity, uh, those tough conversations, the locker room, um, just to understand, just like you were talking about, how 
hard it is to win, and especially in the SEC and everything that goes into it, and the mental preparation, the physical preparation, and, and just the cohesiveness on the team. There was so many opportunities uh, to teach life lessons last year, uh, not just basketball, but life lessons. And, and I'm so proud of our kids because they embraced that. It would have been so easy to walk away because we all want instant gratification. We all want it right now. Uh, but they did. What they did was roll up their sleeves and, and, and lean in. And that's what I've seen them do over the course of this summer, too, and in the conversation that we're having. So, again, I think uh, diamonds are formed in the fires and um, adversity is how we truly grow. And so uh, although it was hard and it was uncomfortable, uh, I certainly feel like it was going to it's going to help us uh, continue to move the needle with our program. Yeah, I got you, Coach. And one thing I, I definitely do want to ask you about as well is th- th- there's obviously, you know, uh, protests going on right now. And it's been since the death of George Floyd on May 25th. And, you know, there was the protest that was led by actually Martez Manuel. I think it was spearheaded by Martez Manuel and Ryan Walters from the football side of things. But I know you were a part of that peaceful march on June 3rd. Just Can you relate back to me what your experience was like? taking part in that event and has there been any communication throughout the team kind of about those things and i know you've coached people from different religions and creeds before so just how did that experience all kind of wrap up for you it's been it's been really deep uh i think there's been a lot of emotions for uh, you know all of us um you know i think it's it touches on so many different emotions but i was really um thankful to be a part of that that peaceful march and and i thought it was really powerful i i felt like our football team did an incredible job on just how that all came together and and to be able to be there and walk beside our student athletes and and some of our coaches and administrators um you know it's it, it, i think it was extremely powerful and again i feel i feel fortunate that i could have I, I was able to make it work and and be there and i know there's a lot of people that would have loved to have been a part of that but we continue to have a lot of conversation on our team uh, silence is not the answer. We've got to have tough, challenging conversations. We had an incredible two-hour Zoom call uh, on Juneteenth and uh, just talking about history, education. Uh, there's so many things that uh, I think we're all realizing that we weren't taught in our history classes. And so just showing up, being present, um, you know, asking questions, listening. Um, but the last thing we want to do is be silent. I care you know, too much about um, what's going on in this world to stay silent. And so I, w- I want to be a voice um, and I, and I want to be an active participant in helping create change that, that needs to happen. I appreciate you talking about that, Coach. And I, I, before I go any further, I definitely want to mention the, the statement Haley Frank made on social media. Uh, check it out for anybody who has Twitter. Or I think she put it on other social media too. But definitely check that out for anybody who wants to just know a little bit of a perspective from. I guessing I'm guessing a 19 year old. Very very well put. But just I guess now on a little bit of a lighter note, uh, I have I want to ask you. Um, I, I know that local businesses kind of in Columbia have been. Not, not not hurting, but they lost kind of business for March and April. So if if the Pingeon family is going out for a meal in downtown Columbia, where, where where's where's the spot? Well, you are changing topics on me pretty quickly because that <laughs> that uh that last one's pretty emotional. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I, I definitely want to be a part of the change, and Black Lives Do Matter, and um, I just hope everybody can is willing to have 
we've got to continue to talk about it and we've got to have a plan of action and we've got to, you know, this can't be, um, you know, something where we're part of a moment. We've got to be part of a movement. And I think it's all of our responsibilities. And I could talk a long time about this. Um, like I said, it's pretty, pretty emotional and um, it hits a, a lot of uh, different feelings and emotions. And, and I definitely want to do my part. So I, I appreciate you asking about that. Um, on a, on a much different note, um, you know, I'm super blessed. I got an incredible husband that likes to cook and, and he's really good at cooking. And so uh, there's so many great restaurants that we certainly want to support out there. But uh, we've been we've been pretty blessed to um, have a lot of home cooked meals. You know, as a coach, you travel so much in, in recruiting and, uh, you know, you're out in July typically and you've got official visits in. And, and so we spend a lot of time eating out as coaches. And so actually, it's been really nice to have some home cooked meals. And my husband's been phenomenal. That's good to hear, and I appreciate you talking about all wide range of topics, whether it be food or the protests or <laughs> coronavirus. I, your time is always appreciated, Coach, and I guess we'll we'll kind of wrap on this final one, and I, I do appreciate your time uh, on this. I guess we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, just as you kind of look forward for the, you know, or actually let me, let me ask it this way. If you, as you look back on kind of your time at Mizzou and now as you move forward, you know, is this time kind of valuable to you as, you know, as, as, as hectic as a college, you know, a division one coach's lifestyle can be, is this time, you know, a blessing in disguise for you where you get to have those meals around the dinner table and, you know, you're not on the road recruiting and just in phone calls and meetings is the, the time kind of to pause a little bit and slow down been beneficial for you and maybe your players as well. Well, yeah, you know, I certainly don't wish for it to happen, you know, because of a pandemic. Uh, but I think what this time has done is caused all of us to, to pause. I don't know that my life has slowed down at all. My days seem to continue to be really busy. Uh, but I do think it... it um, it changes our perspective on, you know, making sure we're putting first things first. And, you know, this life goes so fast and, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And are, and are we, you know, really pouring into the things that are the most important? And so to have that opportunity to be around our kids and, and um, you know, just to be present um, and have those conversations around the dinner table have been phenomenal. And then from a coaching standpoint, too, I think, you know, we get in the cycle of it's just go, go, go. And there's really there's really no downtime for a coach. I get that question a lot. Like, you know, when's your break? Well, you know, with these cell phones, there's never a break. There's out recruiting never ends. Um, you know, you, you're always looking out for your players and, and things just come up. And so, um you know, I think uh, for me, uh, what it's definitely done, um, you know, the conversations that we're having through Zoom calls, um, you know, it's the communication that you take time to have has been really, really awesome. One thing that we've done, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, keep you on too long, but we've had a chance to really reach out to our alumni, which has been phenomenal. So we've had a, a couple of alumni calls with, you know, players that have been here in the past and even before I started coaching here and just trying to reach Zoom calls, right? Mm -hmm. Five months ago. Um, and so, I don't know, I just, relationships are everything to me and, and um, an opportunity to get on the phone and reach out to some of our donors and our boosters and not call because we need anything, but we're just checking in on them. And I've learned a much, you know, so much more about them and kind of where they're at. And, and so, you know, there's just a lot that's transpired in the last couple months, but I think there's definitely, as hard as it's been, um, you know, I think there's definitely been some, some positives that have come out of it too. 
All right. Well, once again, that, that was Missouri head women's basketball coach Robin Pinchton. Hopefully her team can, you know, we don't have any further delays with the pandemic or anything like that. And they can get back to practice and then get back on the court in November, Octo- October time and, you know, entertain us like they always do every year. I appreciate your time as always, coach, and we'll definitely catch up soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm just going to end on this note. Um, I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, I'm really excited about the upcoming season. I know our players are too. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get this back on track. And, and I think we got a chance to have a special year. But to all Mizzou Nation out there, just want to tell you we love you. Uh, we certainly miss seeing your faces and looking forward to, um, you know, just being able to interact again. So thank you for everything that you guys do for, for all of us at Mizzou. And, and uh, again, we love you. Stay safe. All right, thank you one more time, Coach, and uh, stay safe out there. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thank you. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Thank you once again to Coach Spencer for taking time out of her day to be with us and be so open. That was a great segment with us and we'll definitely hopefully can have her on soon. Uh, before we get back to the Mizzou Athletics talk, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade to order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild to wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And the Columbia location of Zaxby's, actually I think there's, no, there's only still one and it's right off Stadium Drive in North 63. So yeah, have you have you been to Zaxby's lately, uh, Langston? I have not, but back when I lived in Georgia, that was the thing. You get a kicking chicken sandwich, extra extra seasoning on the fries, and it's delicious. <laughs> All right, well, thank you to Zaxby's for sponsoring this podcast. But now let's actually get back to the Mizzou Athletics talk. Uh, you know, uh, we're still living through a pandemic right now, and we usually we'll be talking right now about you know SEC media days being in a couple weeks and ball camp starting and what the prospects look like, but. I've kind of gone in kind of a different direction with when I thought the season was going to happen. Like, ask me back, like, the last week of April, I was going to say no. Ask me pretty much from, like, the second week of May to, like, last week, I would have said, oh, it's all happening. Now I'm unsure again because of how the cases have kind of gone in, like, a U-shape, you know, in the country. And now just do you think there's going to be a college football season, Langston? What do you think it looks like and all of that? Um, I think – it's two separate questions. Should there be a college football season? That's one question. And then will there? Um, I definitely think college athletics will be played, um, especially football. Um, I think the universities depend on that money and not only to support, you know, the football programs, you know, building new stadiums, things such as that, but to also support other athletic programs within their university. So there definitely will be a football season. Now, it will not look like anything we have ever seen um, I know that uh, a few weeks ago, Texas was talking about having UT having their uh, stadiums at 50% capacity. I don't think that's happening anymore, especially since uh, in Texas they are now reclosing bars and things such that's like right. that. Yeah. And so with the kind of uptick in tests and that uptick in tests means uptick in cases, um, you know, things are going to look a little bit different. Um, and that's okay to ensure the safety of everyone. And I hope that universities are taking you know, steps to ensure the safety of the athletes first. Um, 
because you are going to see cases. Um, there will be football, basketball, soccer. There will be athletes on each of these campuses that will get cases, and it depends on how schools handle that and take the precautions moving forward. Yeah, uh, Mizzou tweeted out, I guess this is June 25th, so last Thursday, uh, of 308 Mizzou Athletics individuals tested for COVID-19 since June 8th, four of five positive tests were asymptomatic. So that means that one person was not. Uh, they did break it down, though, that um, it was four student athletes and one staff member who tested positive for COVID-19, and but there's yet to be any stop to any of the practices that are going on on Mizzou's campus, most notably football, and they didn't inspect or provide any further information as the, in, the, I guess, the identity of those individuals. But from all the talks we had had with Mizzou athletics officials, they told us, like, one positive case or, like, even that many wouldn't really shut down anything. It's still you know, they could work through it. So it's now a matter of, now that they have cases, what do they do? And we don't know what those numbers are right at this moment because that was reported on June 25th by the athletic department themselves. If they've had more, how those people were that were asymptomatic doing, all of it's still kind of up in the air. And my, my thing is that, and I think that what's been lacking and what's been what's needed is just some sort of umbrella Here's what we're going to do. Get used to it. And I know that, you know, Drinkwitz takes his directive from the NCAA where it still hasn't been determined yet that he's getting his team as close to ready as possible by September 5th for Central Arkansas in the season opener. But at some point, some umbrella conversation is going to have to come down about, okay, what does this look like? How do we keep everybody safe? And I think just kind of saying, throwing your arms up in the air from the NCAA and saying, I don't know. And the conference is, you know, kind of being lost a little bit with how that works isn't really the best thing and, and and you know it's kind of the same thing that's happening at the federal level right now where what are they doing to kind of slow the spread same thing with it how the, the NCAA is going to prevent it from slowing on college campuses so it's a lot more up in the air than I thought it would be two weeks ago at this time just because of how much the cases are increasing and it seems like how no one's really pushing back the measures all that much outside of in the hotspot states to really quell that you know, at the end of the day, the South started as a hotspot where a lot of the SEC schools are, and cases are rising in a lot of those states, but you haven't seen a state like Georgia or Florida. Well, Florida has closed bars, but really closed back anything and make mask wearing mandatory. And I don't want to just be a Debbie Downer on here and talk about this, but we can't talk about on-field and on-court things until we actually have sports back. So it, it's tough, but, you know... We'll see if it happens, and I, I do agree with Langston that I can't, still can't see a college football season not happening unless we just see just keep seeing a steady increase between now and the end of August. I just I can't see a way it doesn't end up happening. Maybe there's some sort of bubble they can put everybody in, but you know, just I don't even know how things are going to work with the press. Are they going to social distance us in the press box? Are we going to be allowed to travel the road games? Or press conferences going to take place over Zoom now? Or how is all that going to work? So, I mean, we, SEC Media Days was not canceled, but postponed, and we don't know when it's going to happen at this point. It was supposed to be in two weeks in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame, and now we don't know. So that's kind of all up in the air right now. But, uh, yeah, I, we'll, we will see, I guess, Langston. We will it, see. It's difficult for any large governing body like the NCAA to make some you know, grand sweeping declaration when COVID-19 is affecting so many different communities, so many different states differently um so it's it's going to be a while i'll be interested to see what they say at the sec media days and you know when they'll 
hopefully provide more insight on what the college football season will look like. But I mean, from Mizzou's perspective, I mean, Mizzou's going to have in-person classes in the fall. Um, they're requiring a mask, I believe. So if they're having in-person classes, I, I see no way there's not going to be football. It's just going to look different. And we need to, you know, understand that and accept that. And it will take time for them to really kind of put together the guidelines for what that will look like. But uh, as of right now, I, I would expect there to be football play in the fall. Yeah, and therefore, once we get that go-ahead, it'll be easier to talk about everything. I mean, we've had Zoom chats on with Mizzou football players these past couple weeks. Uh, tomorrow, being Wednesdays, we're, we're supposed to get Josh Bledsoe and uh, Tyree Gillespie along with Safety's coach Charlie Harbison last week while I was traveling from Memphis to Nashville on vacation. Uh, they had, I think, Daniel Parker Jr. and Curtis Looper. We got Drinkwitz a couple times and gotten some other players like Larry Roundtree and Nick Bolton and Martez Manuel. And it's, you know, we've gotten a lot of different guys. So this is a Mizzou football team that should the season happen as planned, their defense looks to be very strong. The offense is still a little bit up in the air and we'll see, we'll see where it goes from there. And, you know, just the advances that Drinkwitz has made seem to be getting the program going in the right direction, but it all could change September 5th. So, yeah, we haven't heard much from the men's basketball side of things with uh, Conzo Martin. I mean, they have been doing volunteer workouts even though he's not involved. And obviously we heard a ton from Robin earlier. So, yeah, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, we'll keep this under wraps and keep it short. And hopefully things look better next time we come to you with a podcast. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Langston, before we head out? Uh, I just want to congratulate the uh, New England Patriots for making the smartest decision in the offseason by signing Cam Newton. Was smart is uh, maybe high, highest reward for the risk you're taking, possibly. Uh, Cam Newton, a former MVP, brought a uh, Carolina the Panthers team to a Super Bowl really on his back. Um, you're getting him for a minimum contract. If it doesn't work out, you spent at most $7 million. If it does work out, then you know Cam could possibly be the quarterback of the future. So um, just Bill Belichick showing why he's smarter than everyone else once again. Yeah, I mean, Cam's 31, so and, and a former SEC quarterback for those listening at Auburn. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's uh, – it's interesting that they let the market kind of settle and, you know, just they let it happen. And it's weird because former Zoo quarterback Chase Daniel, as the backup for the Lions, is making more in 2020 than both Jameis Winston and Cam Newton combined. And that's what makes it so great is because even if Cam doesn't even play a single snap – the money that you spent on just trying it out or maybe he pushes Stidham in camp, I, it, there's only positives coming out of this. Yeah, I agree. And as a Redskins fan, I'm kind of jealous because right now we're looking at Dwayne Haskins who, well, we'll see how he does. But I like Ron Rivera better than Jay Gruden. And oh, I already like Ron Rivera better than Jay Gruden ever was. And Ron Rivera probably should have led Cam to that Super Bowl, but didn't happen. So, yeah. Uh, I guess you're a Saints fan, Langston. So uh, it goes from out of your division to the other league. You know, I can stop hating on Cam now that he's out of the division, and I'm, I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for Bill Belichick. And listen, Dwayne Haskins showing a lot of uh, videos on Twitter about him losing weight, and he's looking better. He's looking slimmer. And, you know, year two, things can change. He's still better than Daniel Jones. That is true. Absolutely. And not Daniel Jones, the former Mizzou reporter at, at the Tribune, <laughs> Daniel Jones, the New York Giants quarterback. I thought that was worth the distinction. But thank you guys for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Hopefully we come back next week. I got a couple guests kind of lined up. Hopefully we can get one of them in next week and keep talking here and hopefully have some brighter days ahead where we can definitely talk about more on-field things. Langston, here's the outro. End this, end this episode however you like. All right. Thank you for your uh, readership and your listening. Uh, have a great rest of your day.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.